since brevity is the soul of wit. More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward, an infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise breaker, the owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertainment. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. I'm Eden. I'm Lindsay. And this is the Bix Pod. And we are here to discuss one of our favorite topics. Um, aside from Shakespeare, we're talking about movies, film adaptations of Shakespeare. And uh, and we have a very special guest on the show with us today. Um, Brittany is a former co-worker of mine and uh, now a friend of both of ours. And we've um, indoctrinated her into the ways of David Lynch and Twin Peaks. So... Um, <laughs> So say hi, Brittany. Talk all about all the crazy shit we've made you do since you become friends with us. Honestly, it's one of those things where when I first started watching David Lynch with you guys, I was like, what the fuck did I get myself into? But now I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually kind of miss it. Really? Like really, though with like Twin Peaks, like I miss the weirdness of it. There's mm-hmm. just nothing hits quite like Twin Peaks. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. a pretty special show. So it really is. We've been <laughs> watching, uh, yeah, we've been watching Mayor of Easttown lately. <gasps> oh my god, me too! <laughs> oh wow! Oh, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> it's, another, funny. it's another kind of like knockoff Twin Peaks, like all these other shows about like there's the missing kid, and then it turns into a bunch of mysteries and stuff like that. They're all kind of connected back to, to Twin Peaks. Really, they feel like they they owe something to Twin Peaks, and uh, yeah, we're glad we could indoctrinate you in into seeing that connection. I would think be able that. To watch another show like that ever again without thinking, oh yeah, this is kind of like Twin Peaks. It, it's definitely more cohesive though. Twin Peaks, yes. I think, is unique and special just because it's so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so trippy. Like, every single time I was watching it, I was like, wow, I will never, ever have to do any type of drug in my life. <laughs> like, I, I, I just throw on Twin Peaks and I'm good to go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, so funny. beyond Twin Peaks, uh, Brittany, would you would you care to give us uh, since this is now a Shakespeare podcast? Uh, can you give us a little introduction about your your connection with uh, Billy Boy uh, himself? <laughs> My uh, main man, Bill. That's, that's <laughs> what. So tell us a little bit about your connection to Shakespeare. Um, I have really good connections, but also like really negative. It depends on like what period of my life, right? So I was first introduced to Shakespeare in high school. I think most people are, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I know I was listening to your previous podcast, Lindsay, you had like, what, a picture book with Shakespeare? Yes, I did. Yeah, okay. So I wasn't that hard. (laughs) My parents weren't like, oh, here you go. So unfortunately, my first introduction was Romeo and Juliet, grade nine. I love Shakespeare, loved it all through high school. I honestly still think that some of my best interactions with Shakespeare were probably my high school teachers. Not necessarily because they went super in depth, but just because they like, it, it feels like a spoon feeding a child, you know, like you're comfy, you're playing and then they just dumb down all the language. And I'm like, oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> and then, well, and then I'm from Ontario, right? So there's Stratford, Ontario. So like, I do have, uh, I guess I just, the plays and like actually seeing them live like that's always fun and then university ruined it for me <laughs> like really? Shakespeare. oh my god I had a professor that it just ugh, 
if you didn't go for her perspective on anything, it just it made me tap out. But I will say that's where I came up with my very um, condensed and how should I put this? Stupid versions of Shakespeare. <laughs> like I was a lot faster in terms of reading than most of my friends. So they would be like, what happened in this scene? And I would just summarize it for them. And they're like, oh, okay. But like in a very colloquial manner. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not good. A lot of swearing. Yeah, but that's perfect. Like, so if, you, if you've been a regular listener of our podcast, then you know that we try and uh, summarize the plays. Of the oh, I try not. Seconds. Like, you can't see me, but I am putting my fucking nose on my nose. <laughs> like, uh-uh. That is Finger on the nose. Dibs out. <laughs> but, but that sounds like the perfect kind of thing that, like, we need that in our podcast. Because we sometimes struggle, Aiden especially, tends oh, yeah. to get very in-depth with it. And there's ne- never enough swearing in our <laughs> Oh, it's so bad, though. I mean, like, I can totally do a few. <laughs> but it ain't good. Like, straight up. It's not going to be good. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? Um. Ooh, okay, wait. Are we talking tragedy? Or are Anyone. we going, like, the or you, Okay. Yeah. Ooh, oh, oh, I don't. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, 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 wait, wait. Oh, shit. Would it be helpful if we limited it to one category? Yeah, like, you really okay. would. Like, it would okay. 100%. <laughs> Let's say tragedy then. What's your What's your favorite tragedy? <sighs> okay, this doesn't help, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I think... Uh, I, I want to say Macbeth. And I want to say Macbeth, but that's just because I have the biggest lady boner for Lady Macbeth. Yes. So that's where I come from on that standpoint. But in yep. terms of, like, actual tragedies, ugh, Hamlet has a soft spot for mm. me. Um, I don't know. Othello is really good. Mm-hmm. No, I still think I, I think Macbeth, the, the Scottish play, right? Yeah, classic. That's perfect. That's like a. If you ever want to get somebody into Shakespeare, I say you. Well, okay, wait. It depends if they want to see a batshit crazy woman. Because then you put them with Lady Macbeth. True. <laughs> I don't know. She's my favorite Shakespearean woman. I think. Yeah, she's up there. She's definitely and yeah, Have you yeah. seen the uh, the latest adaptation from no. whenever it was a couple years That's ago? That's why I was like, oh, I'm so excited that you guys had like that little list. And I was like, oh, yes. man, this will give me the opportunity. And I was like, oh, it's the 90s. And I was like, ah, whatever. I'll just watch it. Like, in You my should. Own time. You really should watch it because uh, Marion Cotillard does like an amazing job of playing this like crazy Lady Macbeth. But also mm-hmm. you understand why like, yeah. she. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she does a really great job. It is, it is amazing. Oh, she's brilliant, and just yeah. Lady Macbeth as a character is just some yeah. of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what about what about a comedy then? Do you do you have one that you're like, yeah, I really this one actually makes me laugh, or just one that you find engaging or something like that? See, I don't know if this is actually con- it actually yeah, it would be considered a comedy, but I don't consider it a comedy. But it's probably my favorite. It would be Taming of the Shrew. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But that one pisses me off like no other. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me so mad. But I also would say that the reason why that's my favorite play is definitely because of the movie. Like, hands down, what's up, Heath Ledger? How you doing, babe? Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, easily my favorite play, but that's 100% because of Heath. Ooh, oh, shit, no, Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night's really good, too. Twelfth Night is very good. Twelfth Night yeah. is very good, but I think, you know, so... Talking about 90s movies, I think the first time I watched 10 Things I Hate About You, which is the classic uh, perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think it was only about three or four years ago. So I like <gasps> left the nineties without having seen this film. Oh my God. I know it. My sister-in-law uh, made me watch it with her one night because it's her favorite movie too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's my big confession. Um, a lot of these nineties <laughs> films that like I, they're looking at the list. There were like maybe two or three that I watched actually within the nineties. So that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this on the podcast anyway was because it uh, it fascinated me that there was this whole period of time when um, all of these Shakespeare films were coming out and uh, and also that I I just missed it all being such a Shakespeare fan like where was I at no, Backstreet yeah. Boys concerts probably <laughs> oh true or NSYNC or yes both. <laughs> or both <laughs> or ninety eight degrees right yeah, right exactly. <laughs> The Muppets. So, yeah, <laughs> real Canadian. Yeah, well, we're Canadian. You know, it has to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I mean, that was, that was our next kind of question is like, well, okay, what were the 90s actually like for you? Like, how much of this period do you really kind of remember? And were you in it? And like, not just Shakespeare, but like generally like the 90s. Like, were you like a real 90s girl? Or was it very much kind of like you kind of caught the tail end of it? Because we're kind of like. Lindsay, I won't speak for you, but for me, I feel like I only caught like the last half of the 90s, really, because I was, you know, 10 in 1995. Yeah, Yeah, still too young. So like, I wasn't really participating in in the stuff. But uh, when it comes to Shakespeare, the the movies, I remember definitely being connected to the 90s. I remember them coming out. I remember seeing ads. And uh, my first introduction to Shakespeare, basically, that I remember is um, my grade nine drama teacher making us watch Much Ado About Nothing and then do a a scene from it. So like- And it's Kenneth Branagh and I'm, I'm playing Kenneth Branagh and I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. This is, this is easy. So like, that's, that's kind of like the, the two are like, intricate, intricate. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm a terrible actress, so that didn't work out. But, uh, so like the, the 90s and the, and Shakespeare are very much connected for me. Um, what about for you? Like, does that, do you have any specific memories of the, of Shakespeare in the nineties or is it kind of after the fact? I would say after the fact, or I didn't know it at the time. So obviously Lion King prolific, as a kid, you know, go into it being like, that's Hamlet. <laughs> like, there's just no way, right? You're literally looking at Simba being like, okay, this is adorable, but you don't actually think of it at the time. Um, 10 Things I Hate About You as well. Honestly, if you had told me it was Shakespeare at the time, I wouldn't have believed you. I did see that, though. But I, I'm 100% like you guys. I, or maybe I can't speak for you as well, Lindsay, but I feel like I just caught the tail end. Yeah. No, I, I did too. Like, I mean, it was kind of... Um, well, and it's weird too, like... So you're from Ontario, so you probably have a different uh, uh, perspective on this, but it feels like here in Alberta, things like the decades take a little bit longer to catch up. Like, I feel like we were in the 90s here until about 2003. And then because we're just so far away from the States and far away from like the centers of pop culture. So like, I was still wearing like glittery butterfly hair clips at my you know, high school grad in 2003, which that's like a very 1997, you know, teen beat magazine thing to do. You know what I mean? So, okay. So I guess it is a little bit different then because that trend kind of died for me in grade eight. So that's like two, oh no. So like 2001, 2002. Yeah. Around there ish, I guess. All right. All right. But maybe, maybe I was just like, you know, not trendy. Maybe that's what I'm learning no, no, no. right now. Maybe that's <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's also you have to realize that I live really close to Toronto too, right? That's true. Yeah. So we definitely got that more ripple effect where, like, I grew up with much music, MTV, at yep. Fox, God bless, it's so good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so perfect, right? 
But I think because of that, I, I think yeah. the only thing that I could distinctly say that is very 90s of me was the fashion. And right. then just how cheap and how free everything was back then. Like, right. you guys remember just like penny candies, like being able to go into an Avondale and just actually pick out five cent candies? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like going into a store with 25 cents and being able to walk out with a bag of candy. Like, mm-hmm. that was. Yeah. Wow, we are sounding like boomers right now, guys. Back in our day. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, listen. <laughs> First of all, fucking rude. <laughs> Second of all, accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. And the nineties were a trip. They really yeah. were. And like and I think uh it's kind of funny. Like, I mean, the the big question we wanted to ask this episode is like, what was up? You know, what was happening with the nineties that there was so much Shakespeare uh, <gasps> on the loose out there? I thought about this. And well and and we'll we'll get back to it, but I think I think it's uh it's it's a weird kind of mix because like it really doesn't vibe with a lot of the things that we're that, that we remember about the nineties. Like at least maybe for me personally. Uh it, it's it's kind of a part of it, but it feels like this like because everything else was like flashy uh or pop grunge. culture stuff yeah or grunge yeah exactly like there was like yeah. this like late gen x kind of thing and then mm-hmm. into like the the early millennial uh pop culture phase and it was either yeah dark and grungy or then hyper pop uh britney spears mm-hmm. and yeah. sync and stuff putting a skirt Cut. over like jeans <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> right like, you, you had some some uh flashy things right and mm-hmm. then shakespeare's kind of like this like highbrow kind of thing that was that was popularized and it's it's it feels so odd to have it in the same breath as NSYNC and Backstreet Boys um but it kind of was just part of this uh milieu of the mm-hmm. 90s just being a weird a weird time that's what Lindsay and I have have kind of summarized the 90s as just just weird it was it's like a it feels like a fever dream to me. It's very like, mm. <laughs> it, it almost feels like we were actually in a Shakespearean play. Like we were all part of like a Midsummer's Night's Dream. Like it's just, <laughs> we're all drugged. We're all just like <laughs> playing to the fairy whim. That's a good <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it just, as Aiden said, none of it makes sense. It, it doesn't like it, it that whole so good, mix though. of like pop culture mm-hmm. like it when you look back on it you're like that all happened at the same time but they feel like they're very like i yeah aiden you put it better than i can so well no and, and then you throw in like like early like 90s hip-hop and stuff yep. too like the west coast versus east coast feud like what the hell was that that was mm-hmm. that was a particularly 90s phenomenon as well uh before like outcast and kanye west and all these kind yeah. of like other voices in hip-hop come in and it's just like that was existing alongside uh you know whatever kid rock <laughs> you know like yeah, and true. and everything like and, and, grunge, in there and, and, and grunge was still going on euro pop yes but i don't this, know if- it's so weird because then there's so many period pieces. Like I think of uh, Ever After, A Night yes. Tale. Um, I'm thinking yeah. of like all those movies where I'm like, it was so iconic and set in like Victorian medieval slash like that kind of era. And then mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, okay, Shakespeare does fit in. But it also just, it, it was like there's a huge pie chart and people are like, okay, so 5% goes here. And they're bringing this with 10% over here. <laughs> like everything has to be included. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I love the 90s. Yeah, well, yeah, it's true. And that's why I love the 90s, because it was just a a big, confusing mess. And uh, (laughs) I loved it. But it was our confusing mess, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I miss it. So good. Yeah. 
so moving on to the the movies themselves, um, we have a list that we'll post up on the on the podcast page uh, when we publish this. But we had like a list of like the 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 ones that came out from from big movie studios, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite a quite a range. Everything from uh, well, three Hamlets, which is its own kind of crazy idea. The fact that within ten years there were there were three different Hamlets is is insane. Um, but we kind of grouped them into like the big ones that I think everybody would kind of recognize, and probably if you've seen one. You've probably seen one of these ones. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet, I guess, uh, is the big one. Uh, Lindsay, that's still one of your favorites, right? I do, Yeah, totally. And I mean, um, Brittany also being a teacher, you've taught Shakespeare. And this is the one play that um, I know you taught this one, yeah. uh, Romeo and Juliet. And, uh, and watching that film version, I think that's, I've said it on the podcast. I've said it to my students. It's one of the best ways to introduce young people to this world even if it's like 90s cheesy you know like you look at it and you're kind of cringe about it but it's so relatable right that the Baz Luhrmann version yes it's it's a lot of fun and on top of that too it still holds up just because it still has actors that they recognize and I think that's why it's relatable yeah 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 um Kind of connected to that, maybe. Well, again, he's probably not on the screen quite as much, but uh, the Mel Gibson Hamlet from 1990 was also a big deal. I remember when that came out. Um, well, I don't remember when it came out, but I remember uh, them showing it to us in grade 12. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you were like, oh my God, this is, again, similar kind of thing, a huge cast. Like Mel Gibson was still a big star mm-hmm. when I was in grade 12. Um, and, you know, what, what was, who was his mother again? Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Like, and it's it's a uh, Franco Zeffirelli directing again, who did yeah. the earlier '60s uh, yeah. Shakespeare movies and stuff, and it was it was a fairly big deal. And that one kind of because that came out in 1990, that was kind mm-hmm. of uh, often flagged as being the one that kind of really kickstarted the idea of like you get a big cast with big big names, and then you just shove them on the screen and have them recite Shakespeare, and <laughs> you've got a hit on your hand kind of thing, right? Um, so kind of it kind of like laid the, the foundations for the Romeo and Juliet uh, to an extent, um, but yeah, it's it's another uh, really big one. The other one, the other one that I think I kind of squeezed in there is the second Hamlet, which is Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think was actually nearly as popular. In fact, it was kind of a box office flop from what I was reading. But um, people kind of recognize it as like that's that's the that's the Shakespeare guy the guy who does all the Shakespeare movies doing Hamlet and I think that's kind of held up uh it's kind of maybe not held up as a film quite as much it's still four hours and who the fuck's gonna watch that but uh it is you know it's recognizable as like okay yeah this is like the Shakespeare movie yeah um, in that in that well and I think the other thing about uh I'm glad you brought up Kenneth Branagh because um so he had done, I don't remember what year Henry V was done. That was the it was 89. 89. So that was, I think that was the first big box office film that Kenneth Branagh did that was Shakespeare, correct? Yes. And that was before Hamlet. Uh, but Hamlet was greenlit before Henry V came out. So oh, okay. the, it's all oh, kind of okay. connected. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you like to trace that back and, and, and maybe we'll talk about this in a bit after we kind of analyze some of these movie trends. Um, mm-hmm the idea that you could that you could even produce Shakespeare was kind of a foreign concept because didn't like we've and we've talked about this before with the the Polanski's Macbeth that was from the 70s right that kind of destroyed the Shakespeare film industry for a while and it was Brana who brought it back like 15 years later right so um 
this is like historically, yes, Shakespeare on film was was very early on, like 1899, people were filming Shakespeare, but there was this dearth in the 70s and 80s. And then all of a sudden it comes back. And I think you really do have to credit Brana with that. Is like, I'm not a Kenneth Brana fan. Um, regular listeners of the podcast know that. Aiden knows that. Brittany, I don't know if you know that, but um, not, a, not a huge fan, but I do have to give him credit for kind of kickstarting this trend because if it hadn't been for him and like taking on the cost and and like he had his own kind of he was he not maybe not the movie studio but he had his own theater company or he was working with a theater company that this is like all they did was Shakespeare productions right so like yeah you you do kind of have to give him credit for that so you know what the 90s kind of feels like Mm. sorry it feels Mm. like it, how it is right now with superhero movies. Yeah. Because I'm not sure if you guys remember how awful Daredevil was. Uh, yes. Got, like, <laughs> sorry, Tobey Maguire, I love you, but you're Spider-Man. Spider-Man Ooh. movies, yeah. Like, the first one, great. It just kind of petered out from there, no pun intended. But, like, Batman just, movies. <laughs> yeah, but, like, right, the Batman movies. But, like, so, do you remember the nipples on the costume? Yeah, right? Right. But, like, yep. I, the 90s, like, ruined superhero movies, in my opinion. You can yep. totally come for me in the comments. But I t- <laughs> 100%, like, I enjoy them. Don't get me wrong. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Classic. Yeah. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> but terrible. And we all have to, like, are aware of the fact that it's very kitschy. But then uh-huh. now it, there's this resurgence right now. It's almost like the renaissance period of, like, superhero movies. Yeah. And I kind of think the 90s was, like, the renaissance movement of Shakespeare. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It kind of yeah. pooped the bed. 15 years earlier and then it kind of came back yeah 100% and it's just it's just so interesting to think about that like why it happened I guess yeah we'll get to yeah um and yeah and just to to connect you already mentioned it uh Henry V was kind of like that first one that that okay and I looked it up it made a profit but not much it was like (laughs) I think it made like two million dollars profit which is nothing nowadays but back then I think it only costs uh 14 million to make so two million was was actually pretty decent so like um, that one really kind of kickstarted. I kind of classified that as like the middle tier one, though. Um, maybe it maybe it is higher tier, like in terms of popularity and stuff. But there there were a bunch of these ones that either you know they may have had a really good cast, um, they may have had uh, decent marketing, and they may have still made a little bit of money, but they weren't really um, they weren't they weren't reaching the levels of your Romeo plus Juliet, where mm-hmm. it's like a really big deal. Um, so I have things like O in there that Lindsay and I talked about just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's the Othello modern day kind of adaptation. Yeah. With Josh Hartman. With Josh Hartman. Yeah. And Julia Stiles, who I, yes. in my opinion is 100%. So you know Molly Ringwald for the Brat Pack? Oh, she yeah. She is the yes. Molly Ringwald of the Shakespeare. Yes. In the 90s, in my opinion. Yeah, she's in like everything. <laughs> she was, yeah. She's in everything. It's awesome. Uh, there's, I also looped in that one, Much Do About Nothing, which was, again, uh, you know, it had Denzel in it and Keanu Reeves, like a big cast. And it made mm-hmm. some money, but it's not like everybody, it's not like teenagers were necessarily going out to, mm-hmm. to watch this one, I think. Um, Richard III is kind of maybe in there. Uh, that's one with Ian McKellen in it. Uh, that's a British production, so I don't even know how widely that one was distributed, actually. Um, but then you have like Twelfth Night with Helena Bonham Carter and A Midsummer Night's Dream, which had like a really big cast. Michelle like, Pfeiffer. At, Michelle Pfeiffer. Kevin at, Klein. Kevin Klein, uh, Christian Bale, um, the dude from The Wire, 
that guy. I can never remember his name. Oh, I can't remember his name either. I can't remember his name. But, and it had like Ali McBeal, like it had like a crazy cast. Um, But again, I don't think many people kind of saw that, especially that one came out kind of near the end in like the nineties. It was 1999, I think. So it was kind of on the tail end of, of the crush. So I think it was make, Oh, another Shakespeare movie. Oh, Kevin Klein. Yeah. Okay. He's all right. Kind of, kind of approach to things. So, um, so there's this kind of middle tier is, is interesting in the sense that they, um, they were made, they were profitable enough that people kind of recouped their money or, or made a little bit. Um, but they didn't have quite the cultural impact that like a Shakespeare in love or Romeo Juliet's or looking at that list. Sorry to interrupt you, Aiden, but looking at the list that, uh, you've put together, the top tier ones are like the ones that are the top tier plays too. The ones that are yes. usually taught mm-hmm. in school. Totally agreed. So I wonder if that also may have played a, a role in our perception of these films being bigger deals. I, and I mean, they so definitely Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann's version did like smash the box office. So yes, it deserves to be on this list, but it's also one that is used in schools and universities to yep. teach kids. Whereas like who's teaching Much Ado About Nothing? Who's it's teaching true. Twelfth Night? Right. Um, if you're teaching Othello, are you going to watch the an adaptation like a, a modern day non uh, Shakespearean adaptation like the one with Josh Hartnett? Probably not. Right. Maybe. Um, well, considering the language of that one. Uh, yeah. Right. Like if you're. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. Um, I, that was just an interesting kind of thing. And if you go to the next tier, Aiden, I don't know if you had more to say about that middle tier, but the last tier includes plays that like nobody teaches love's labor's lost and Titus Andronicus, right. That, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It also has the, the last Hamlet we threw in there. Cause it's like, again, Ethan Hawke, not wasn't again. And, and that's, that's kind of the interesting part about that movie in particular is that it was very much an indie kind of low budget take on Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't trying to be the four hour Kenneth Branagh or the dark and moody Mel Gibson mm-hmm. uh, take. It was very just like, Oh yeah, let's throw Ethan Hawke in New York and give him a camera and figure out what comes out. Kind of that approach. Um, but then you have like, yeah, to the Titus one, uh, Titus Andronicus, we watched that, Lindsay, and it's mm-hmm. it's a really good movie. It's really cool, uh, really cool filming. But yeah, it's just it's a really fucking dark story <laughs> about like baking kids into pies and stuff. And like, what what are you gonna? That's never gonna be a huge uh, pop culture success. So it's it's really like these movies were kind of made for. Well, the oh, I don't know about that though, because like legitimately, if you look at movies like Sweeney Todd, that like smashed yeah. right and that did really well and that's really dark and perverse but that's true. I kind of I, I think that Lindsay kind of hit on the nose where it's the things that are taught in school make it accessible to the general public because yeah. Shakespeare in my opinion has this connotation of being extremely difficult I won't understand it if I go in with the movie I have no idea what's going on right yeah. but if you have this background knowledge of being taught a play and you're like okay I understand the general thing I can be more more perceptive and going mm-hmm. to sit down and watch it and then the ones that are really popular, like Romeo and Juliet, that's so easy. It's literally about love betrayal and that's about it, right? Like yeah. it's, it's two concepts done, yeah. right? It's yep. just no, it's easier. Yep. Um, and the, the last category we have is the adaptations, which is like, again, <gasps> Okay. They're, the, they're the ones that everybody can get into because it's like you don't need to know Shakespeare. You just you're watching uh, you're watching Hamlet and you don't even know it, like you said, Brittany. So mm-hmm. like, the, and those ones they all did pretty well. I think the O, oh, the Othello one is probably not 
in that category. I think it lost money um, because again, it was at the end tail end of it. It was 2001. Um, and that one was not, um, doesn't have the fun and effervescent tone of say 10 things I hate about you or yeah. the lion King. Or it's she's very, the man. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So good. Oh, yeah. classic. <laughs> hey, have you actually seen she's the man? Cause I've never seen it. it is, oh my God. It's so good. You have to know you have just, okay, let's just pause. Like right now, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in two hours. You need to see this. There's the scene with Channing Tatum, Tatum, however you say his name, with the tampon and the nose. Oh, that's not Like, I'm sorry. A hundred percent, this is what Shakespeare is meant to be. When people talk about how it's like highbrow and oh, it's so intelligent. I'm like, bitch, he literally had your mom jokes. There was literally a bear that ran across the stage. Like, where's the intelligence? <laughs> like, please. Oh, it's so good. To me, this is perfect. This is how I, I, I miss you, Brittany. This is how <laughs> every, every English teacher should be like you. I swear to God, oh more people God. would love Shakespeare if we all had teachers like oh, you in school. It's so much fun, though. I just hate when people go in thinking that it's going to be, like, hyper-intelligent. Yeah. So that's why I love She's the Man. And I'm so happy that Amanda Bynes played. Like, she's not really in the film industry anymore. She's actually at, like, a she's in school now to actually go into like uh oh gosh what's it called like uh, not oh god i can't speak right now fashion <laughs> that's it it's oh, fashion okay. she's going into fashion because she's oh, out cool. of it really like, yeah so good for her right props um but i'm so happy she created that film it's so good <laughs> it's just so stupid it's perfect <laughs> We're going to have to watch it. We, we definitely oh, have to watch neither it. Neither of you have watched it? No. Do you watch how my voice is getting increasingly higher? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, okay, well, actually, no. Do you know what? You can come for me for the whole Mel Gibson Hamlet thing, but I have my reasons. That's fair. No, that's 30, totally 30, fair. Well, and, and like you said, like, the idea, like, a lot of Shakespeare's uh, plays are pretty fucking stupid. Like, yeah. uh, 10 Things I Hate About You is, like, is a, so is a really good summary of that because it's, like, yeah. It is such a dumb premise um, and Shakespeare has fun with it in Timmy the Shrew. And then the movie also is like, yeah, this is dumb. Let's just kind of roll with it and, and let these, these young actors kind of vamp and, and play it up. And, and it works really great for yeah. a 90s teen movie. Right. And that's, exactly. I, I think maybe that's, that's kind of like the interesting crossover is like, there were all these 90s teen movies anyways, mm -hmm. like American Pie is comes to mind and stuff like that, where it was, yeah. it was these teens, you know, with hormones and then let's Shakespeare was also talking about teens with hormones to an extent, or you okay. could adapt it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so see, and maybe that's the, that the natural crossovers, that's where it feels like there's a natural fit there that I, I never thought of that, but that it does make sense. A lot of his characters are young and uh, they're in weird situations where they have to and cross And they're doing dumb shit. Yeah. 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 Well, and then the nineties, in my opinion too, that is the pinnacle of the sensitive boy. Like it is the epitome yes. of, women looking for men that are more sensitive about emotions blah 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 so to me that's kind of why shakespeare has this reinsurgence because we're sitting here being like okay well i want a film with emotion and like something to really sink my teeth into and i'm sorry but what is more classic and tragic than romeo and juliet right right yeah. like yeah. people are just naturally going to gravitate towards that no you're right you're right romeo's the original soft boy that's oh true. for sure right <laughs> he's like borderline a himbo to be honest <laughs> Like, oh, it's true. <laughs> Although I will have to say, I think out of this entire list, I adore the film, but I don't necessarily even think it should be in the list. Would be Shakespeare in Love. Yes, I, I, and I love it. 
Yeah. But, and I no, think and, and it's only, kind of its own thing. Sorry, Lindsay. Go yeah. No, like the only reason that, that we included it here is because it, we, and we've talked about this before. Um, there was an amazing browse held high, did a, a YouTube video um, kind of explaining how this was a Shakespeare film about Shakespeare, but written like a Shakespeare play. And that's what yeah. made it work because we don't know anything about Shakespeare, but we have this wonderful collection of plays that he's written. So why not make his life, if we don't know the truth, let's make his life look like a Shakespearean play. And it's almost so, like a biopic. Exactly, right? Yeah. But like fictionalized to the point of absurdity yeah. in places. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it totally is not a Shakespeare play, but it does feel like there was no other time when that movie could have been made. Like it's perfect that it fits in there. Like when was it? 98 or 99 when that came out? Or 98. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it yeah. fits in with all the other Shakespeare movies and adaptations that have come out. And when you look at how well it did versus the uh, Kenneth Branagh, um, all is true film that came out. What? Nine, 2019. I think it was. Yeah. That just yeah. kind of flopped. It didn't really do much, right? Like it wasn't a, a huge success, but that's because it doesn't have this, um, it's not tapping into the zeitgeist in the way that Shakespeare and Love did, right? Yeah, and Shakespeare and Love is is a rom-com, really. Okay. Yeah, it is. And that was like the golden age of rom-coms too. Mm -hmm. The 90s had like this huge resurgence in them. And so it's it's boring from that, similar to how Romeo and Juliet's boring from the teen movie. So it, it, it again, fuses those kind of two uh, genres together. Mm -hmm. It kind of feels like Ever After to me, kind of like that, just yes. like slip in somebody famous like Leonardo da Vinci in this case, Shakespeare. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong, I love it. I would die for Colin Firth. So, legitimately, like, it's a fantastic movie. I'm always happy to see it. Like, when I saw it on the list, I was like, I remember this movie so vividly, but I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I forget one detail. Better watch it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's just, it's such a good film to pick up. And to yeah. me, it almost, in my opinion, could fit in with a Romeo and Juliet, uh, like, curriculum. Like, if you were to do it, you could do yeah. an amazing, like, comparison essay between, like, all three films, right? And, yeah. like, starting with the oldest with Frank, I don't know how to say his last name. Zeffirelli, yeah. Point. There you go. <laughs> And then my boy Leo, and then this, right? And just yeah. see how Romeo and Juliet just transcends. It consistently shifts. And I think that's the really fun thing about Shakespeare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. And that's what makes it yeah. so easy to adapt. And that's like, that's how you can get the Lion King um, taking the story of Hamlet and turning it into one of the most successful animated films of all time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. so true. And speaking of success, uh, we mentioned this in our last one, but I don't know if, Brittany, you know this. It, Shakespeare in Love is actually the most successful Shakespeare movie of all time. No, uh, it's not. Yeah, it, it, it has made more money than all of the other ones. What the fuck? Seriously? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Even She's the Man? Yeah. Well, that's just not right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. She's the man deserved all the uh, Oscars, not not Shakespeare. Well, like, and things I hate about you, like Heath Ledger in that and Julia Stiles. Yeah. Like to me, that is a quintessential. Like if I have to think about a film that if I could only give to like my students or anybody about Shakespeare, I think I would honestly pick ten things I hate about you. Yes. Yeah. No, that's fair. It's fair. I'm just I'm just giving you the facts. Unfortunately, I can't believe that. Wow. No, no neither can we. When we saw it for our, for whatever episode we were doing, we were like. Wait, no, that can't be right. And then we checked, and it made like a hundred and forty million or something. Well, I mean, like that. rightfully so. It's got a lot of beautiful people in it. The costumes mm -hmm. are absolutely stunning. It, it's very well done. But wow, 
Yeah. So the most popular thing about Shakespeare isn't even his plays, but just Shakespeare himself and who he just ends up sleeping you with. You know, I think that, that, that about sums it up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the mystery of William Shakespeare. Billy Shakes. Yeah. It's true. Villain, I have done thy mother. So we'll move on to uh, the, the, the questions. We just came into this episode with a bunch of questions. And we just want to talk about them. Uh, we're just going to wrap, kids. We're, that's what we're going to do. Uh, oh the, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Oh, my God. No, it's terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, but the, the big one is, like, why? Why were there so many Shakespeare movies in the 90s? Um, I could be a douche and just say, why not? <laughs> well, that's fair. Well, I mean, but the, the question is, like, I mean, Lindsay, Lindsay pointed out uh, the... Roman Polanski one of Macbeth mm -hmm. in the 70s would just did so poorly that like uh nobody wanted to go see it and nobody paid to go see it and then nobody was like uh, I'm not going to make any more Shakespeare movies because I'll just lose all my money so there's th there's that reason why it stopped but um why why were there just so many because like like since then uh since 2006 I think is the last one we have on our list uh, which is As You Like It by mm -hmm. Kenneth Branagh uh, the only one that's really come out is uh, that Macbeth adaptation that <laughs> came out. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. Ophelia. Yeah, Ophelia. Well, yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's true. Um, but yeah, there's 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 been a dearth since then. So, I mean, yeah, is it... Um, so why why was the 90s so, so integral to it? I think uh, we've touched on a lot of the points. Um, we did raise this question on Reddit uh, just to poke around and see what people think. It'll, there was a lot of support for just the idea that uh, it was the market at play. Uh, Henry V did well. Uh, the 1990 Hamlet did well. Let's make a couple more and see if they keep making money. And they just continued to make money up until, you know, uh, Love's Labor's Lost, you know, which kind of was the death knell uh, in 2001 of, of uh, that movie was not good. <laughs> Lindsay and I watched it. It wasn't uh, it was, that bad. It but wasn't it was, that bad. It was, but it was a, a 1930s uh, tribute to Cole Porter musical romp through. You're not selling it. No, yeah. uh, I know. No. Matthew Lillard's in it. Matthew Lillard does a great job singing and okay. dancing in this movie. Yeah. The fact um, that Shaggy is in it, all right, you got me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's her name? Alicia Silverstone was in it, so it Alicia still had the same yeah. power. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So like, it still had the same kind of vibe, but people were just done with it. And so like, you know, uh, like why, why, why was the the craze here so quickly? I, I Brittany, you mentioned you had an idea, so. Oh, well, I was just talking about just the soft boy aspect, but mm. I kind of riffing off what you're saying. My question is more why the films that actually came out, like looking at Henry V, Richard III, or mm. like uh, there's Titus, there's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, like, okay, looking at all of that, where's King Lear? Yeah. yeah. No, but like, would that not have been one of the, like, to me, that would have been a perfect 90s film. Like, that would have sold, in my opinion, so much better than something like Richard III, which, don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore Shakespeare historical plays, like Sir Thomas More, what up, how you doing? <laughs> but it's just, I, I look at the list, and it's not even a matter of, like, why so many Shakespearean plays, it's why, why these ones? ones. Yeah, they're weird. Like, out of all of his, like, out of everything that he has, this is what we went with? Like, this is the best that we did? <laughs> Like, do you want people to like Shakespeare or not? I just don't get it. <laughs> it does seem like it's it's a bit pretentious. And, and that might be the, um, I don't know if that's uh, the cultural understanding of Shakespeare influencing the Shakespeare that gets produced, or if mm -hmm. it was like a conscious decision to elevate um, 
a certain type of film in the 90s. Like uh, some of the comments from from Reddit mentioned the rise of art house films and things like oh, that being like, yeah. you know, uh, uh, maybe something that, that was contrib a contributing factor to this. But it does seem to be pretentious to say like, oh, well, we're going to do Hamlet, Othello, Romeo and Juliet. Um, we're going to do the, the big ones, Richard III, which is another one that at least we we're taught it here in Alberta or at the time when I was in high school, we were, um, mm -hmm. but we're going to ignore Lear. We're going to ignore um, Macbeth. We're going to ignore. Um, well, yeah, I think they're scared of Macbeth after having such a massive flop. I think sure. most studios would be afraid to go back to that, which is also a shame though, because in my opinion, that would have done very well. Well, yeah. And I mean, yeah, the one yeah. that came out, what, five years ago, did do pretty well. I mean, it's it's pretty critically acclaimed, I believe, and and has done. Uh, it's it's a very faithful adaptation too, and it's yeah. So I mean, you can do it very very well, but I don't know why they didn't do that in the nineties. You're right. It is a weird collection of of plays, and I do think I don't know. Pretentious was the word that sprung to mind. Aiden, maybe I'm off with that. No, what do you think? I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd I'd say it was kind of like. I think the only ones that like the comedies are a little different, but the fact, I mean, yeah, the fact that there were three Hamlets is kind yeah. of like, you know, it's, it's showing that pretension a little bit because it's like, you know, uh, Hamlet's the play. It's yeah. the big important one about death and, you know, yeah. you don't get much more and profound and, and deep. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like than 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 Hamlet. So like, and it's also it, it is quite telling. Sorry. It's also taught in schools though too. And I yes, think that's exactly. why Hamlet was so popular, right? Yeah. And everybody knows to be or not to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Your, uh, I think the the comedies are are kind of the interesting one though because um, well they're hard to understand in my opinion hard under, yeah yeah and that that's the kind of the the interesting challenge with them is that uh, those the actual comedies themselves didn't do great but the adaptations of the comedies are the ones that do really great because um, again <laughs> it's it's that simplicity of the storytelling going on in Shakespeare that that can really be adapted into something that's still relevant for whatever uh, time period you're in. Um, Shakespeare himself was adapting a lot of the comedies from earlier medieval texts and right. stuff like that, right? So like, it's just continuing that tradition and it works really well uh, in the in the adapted format, especially with 10 Things I Hate About You and She's the Man. But like, yeah, Twelfth Night, I mean, it's, it's an okay, it's a can be a really funny play. Uh, that's the other thing we kind of noticed in this uh, list. Some of them are are uh, not played for comedy as much as we think. We didn't have uh, Merchant of Venice on here, Lindsay, because it was it was kind of after. Uh, right. That was the other one that was after As You Like It. Um, yeah, that's not yeah. really a '90s, but it does no. kind of follow that tradition, and and it yeah, it takes the comedy out of that and turns it into this dark, brooding. Which it should be, I think. Merchant of Venice is kind of hard to make a rollicking, you know, <laughs> comedy. But there is comedy there, and they, sure. they don't go yeah. and, and the same with the Twelfth Night uh, with Trevor Nunn and Helena Bonham Carter. It was, it was not funny. It was, it was a very somber movie, and you're like, this is the one with, you know, people coming out and cross guarded and stuff like that yeah. like it could be really funny well um, and it should be i mean like don't yeah. get me wrong taping or sorry 12th night with that it i i don't know it's just it's so weird that it it could be funny and it is funny later on i just don't know why mm -hmm. they went dark mm -hmm. yeah. like why yeah. make that maybe it's because of helen bottom carter but or, well possibly or it could be just that they were trying to be like well it's shakespeare it has to be it has to be serious again, it has you know? to be yeah. yeah yeah which is which is kind of possible i guess um 
going back to a point you made, Lindsay, uh, with the art house, well, Reddit mm. point, I guess we're just ripping it off here. Um, but there was also, you know, like, and uh, Brittany, you did mention earlier, there was a lot of Jane Austen adaptations. There was Emma oh, and yeah. uh, Sense Sensibility. Yeah. And oh my Fleece God. And the Pride and Prejudice, the woman's home yeah. first, and then also yeah. Keira Knightley, both iconic in their own ways. And yeah. just, yeah. oh my God, quit, oh, just yeah. the perfect romances. Yeah. Yep. So, so like that, that was also going or going on in the same time frame. So, I mean, was there an, was there a kind of like <laughs> wanting to go back in time? Like, here's, you know, here's, like can, if I can interrupt, I have an idea of why that might be. And it's something that in and I, we've talked about before with regard to Thatcherism and the resurgence of um, this nationalistic British identity in children's ah. education mm-hmm. in the eighties the um, 70s, 80s, right? Um, and I think those kids became the Gen X adults who were making movies in the 90s. And of course, they're going to go to this wellspring of stuff that they read in school or that they were taught in school was important. Yes, we're going to do a masterpiece theater adaptation of Nicholas Nickleby because my you know sixth form teacher did this or whatever, right? So um, I think that might be part of it because a lot of these productions, um, uh, the adaptations were coming out of British art house mm-hmm. um, studios and from uh, British repertory theaters and the, the actor the British acting troupe, Emma Thompson, uh, Kenneth Branagh, Helena Bonham Carter, all of these people, Alan Rickman, you know, everybody who is part of that. uh, It's a very British core. And I think that there might be a little bit, you know, if you, if you dig a little bit deeper, you might find we can blame slash give credit to Margaret Thatcher. Do we want to be giving Thatcher credit for this year? But no, (laughs) let's blame her for it then. Um, But that's, that was just an idea that I had uh, when I read that comment on Reddit, because that, I don't know, maybe that doesn't hold water, but that was just an idea I had. No, I think that's a really fair point. And then on top of that too, I think just even from a more simplistic standpoint, when you think of having, um, just a folio of your own or just looking back at all the things that you've done, right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. everyone kind of wants to have a Shakespeare in their pile saying, yeah, I did this, right? Yeah. Because I think it does something that you could do it and successfully as well. So mm-hmm. I think maybe that's why there's so many, I wouldn't say flops, but just a little bit of harder ones because it's like, oh, well, I took a, a risk, right? Yeah. I did yeah. a historical play. I did one that's more political. And then on top of that too, I think of award shows as well. And there's also a significant presence of costumes and set design and things yep. like that. And really, what does it better than something that's period pieces, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And I think uh another Reddit comment was saying something about like uh unfortunately it was a lot of these were like pushed by like smaller studios that uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein was was uh, oh. the bill for and stuff like yeah. that. Like so there, was, there was also like uh, a a smaller studio feel uh, that mm-hmm. still had the money to make like uh, you know the movies in that you know ten to twenty million dollar. Well, they were rate. all backed by the big companies. Like every big movie production company had a smaller imprint that would well, make their well, art house later film. on. Yeah, that, that right. was that was in like the two thousand because uh, they picked up because the smaller studios had been making these smaller movies that were still profitable. Um, and then, yeah, they came in and bought them up and right. continued doing them that way uh, as like mini uh, studio and studio kind of mm-hmm. things. So like, um, yeah, so there's this like this current of like the, the, the underdogs also kind of making these like cheaper, not blockbuster movies. They don't have the, 
the uh, the superhero budgets and stuff. Right. Um, and so that was kind of like an important element to it too, which is also very kind of 90s. This was kind of like the early days of like in other things like indie uh, music studios and uh, indie labels and stuff, uh, also independent booksellers and independent publishers and stuff like that. Like things were getting a little more democratized across the art arts generally the cultural industries because computers and things were just getting cheaper and all sorts of stuff um so yeah you could you could have a smaller studio still put out these kind of odd um you know richard the third maybe a niche a more niche thing yeah 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 and and they can connect with the audience i think that was the last thing um that was actually my point i don't know if anybody agreed with it on reddit actually but my point was like it was also you know boomers were uh boomers had money their kids were coming of age too. Um, mm-hmm. And they'd read these plays in school. They'd, they'd been exposed to them themselves. So they could say, oh yeah, I've seen Romeo and Juliet before. Or I, you know, I remember when my high school teacher in 67 sent us to go watch Hamlet in the, in the local theater. So I can go back and see it again with Mel Gibson and it'll be, it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You know? So like, I think there's, I think that the demand side of it is also kind of important uh, when you're looking at the market. Cause it was, it's not like, um, it's not like an action movie where you don't need, you know, any education or anything like it helps sure. if, you, if, if you get exposed. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, that, I think that was kind of an important element too. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it totally does because it's like, okay, for instance, I have a absolute obsession with Marilyn Monroe, but that's because or and Elvis Presley, but that's because those are my mom's style of films, right? Right. So I just recently, like, when we read uh, Twelve Angry Men with my grade nines this year, I finished off by like obviously showing both films, but then I was like, okay, we have a little bit of time to kill before the term ends, so let's watch another movie from that era, and I showed them some like it hot, yeah, right, and they loved it, but they had never ever been introduced to anything like that, and they thought it was funnier than this because it really is, but it's. <laughs> Only because I brought it over to them that they were able to even like appreciate it. And I think Aiden kind of makes a really good point by saying that like, okay, well, when you have parents that are like, well, I like this or I was low key obsessed with that, right? It's almost like the original stamp coming through. Yeah. And yeah. just like creating that market being like, well, now you're going to like Shakespeare as well. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, I'm not complaining. Right. <laughs> exactly. They gave us the movies, so mm-hmm. it worked out. But yeah, no, okay. I, I just wanted to float that I, I do think it makes sense that, that there's more tragedies than comedies, though. Just going back to the whole idea that comedies are a lot more difficult to understand when you're reading them. But to me, it's like, okay, because it's so stupid, though, because it's like comedies to read, in my opinion, are harder. But to actually watch, they make more sense. And I think they're just yeah. harder to watch. So therefore, I'm sort of kind of confused because it's like, hey, nobody actually has subtitles on. Nobody gives a shit to read it. You're watching it. So why aren't there more comedies? Yeah. Well, and I, I, I wonder if a lot of that has to do with um, the some of the best productions of comedies that are out there are from really acclaimed directors and and really smart people who are able to take mm-hmm. the reason the reason that comedies are so hard is because they're culturally specific and a lot of the jokes that Ooh, are true. funny okay. in Shakespeare's time are just not going to translate. So you really have to have a smart director or somebody who's going to kind of wordsmith things and make it very clear that this is why it's funny and it's in the and the actors have to do it too it's it's in that whole process that the comedy comes out so you can't just hand some junior screenwriter or noob director uh you know any play loves labor's lost or or um 
uh, what's the one where they're in the forest? As you like it, right? And you just say, here you go, uh, take this play and, and produce it and make a million dollars. Because you, but you you kind of you need to have that that you need to distill it down to its essence, and that's why the the comedic adaptations in the nineties. Yeah, so just so to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, girl, you totally hit it. It's so true <laughs> because, like, if you think about it, she's man is absolutely hysterical, but there's zero Shakespeare in it. Yeah, but that's because they took yeah. they took the story and they're like, well, what they is the story actually saying? Yeah. And exactly. then let's make it relevant to a nineteen ninety nine audience. Or rather, it's the concentrate, right? It's yes, like when you go exactly. to the uh, grocery store and you just buy like those juice and the tins and the yep. bath water, <laughs> right? Yep. That's what they did. They're just like, here's the concentrate. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true, and it, and it works. I mean, I think the the one comedy that did maybe have more of a breakthrough role, and I, when we watched it, Lindsay, I feel, still thought it was pretty faithful and pretty enjoyable. Was the Much Ado uh, with Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson, and yeah. that one works mostly because um, a yes, the actors really sell it. You don't really need to understand all their witty repartee back and forth. You just get the fact that like they like each other, but they're teasing each other. You know, like mm-hmm. you can still get those elements even with mm-hmm. the Shakespearean language, even if you're not hitting every single joke and selling it. You also have Kenneth Branagh listening in uh, to the conversation through the forest or the the garden or whatever he was, and you know, like there's there's still funny setup within that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah, that was not in Twelfth Night or Midsummer Night's Dream that, that kind of struggled a little bit more to like adapt to keep the language and adapt the everything around the language in order to still make it funny. And that that's that's kind of tough to do both. I think the the teen adaptations, they're just like, fuck the language. We're just gonna do all the actual comedic parts and just translate those over wholesale into this new format. Yeah. Um, and when you don't when you try and do both, it uh it's it's really difficult. I, I think some, I think Brana is actually one of the directors who could actually do it, but yeah, other ones definitely struggled. Yeah. I think tragedies are probably the only ones that will actually be able to keep the language yeah. because it, you can't understand the puns or the play on words. And a lot of that is just because of how people talk anymore too, right? Like some of yeah. the stuff just doesn't make sense anymore in an actual modern day context. Yeah. yeah. It just doesn't, it's not funny anymore. So, well, and, and the tragedies also are, universal sure. like the feelings yes. that you have everybody it's knows what betrayal and what mm-hmm. uh grief and all that you know yeah. like that that's universal so it it's easier it's more accessible in a weird way than and that's why i think hamlet is so popular Hamble. yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah it's iconic and then the loss of a parent or the loss of just a family member how else like that's just it's life and that's right. why, that's why, yeah, when you mentioned Lear not being on there, I wonder if there's, yeah. like, if we look forward to, like, maybe what trends will come up next. I mean, with all of us uh, geriatric millennials now getting <laughs> so much older and our parents, like, getting older, I wonder if, you know, millennial kids will start to revisit the story of King Lear or... Um, the Tempest or something like that. And, and maybe start to uh, look at plays like that as fodder for dealing with their own feelings about how am I dealing with my aging parents and how am I going to deal with uh, parents who aren't going to let go or parents who are, you know, if that's maybe that there's something there from a, like a a sociological or psychological standpoint, I'm just pulling shit out of my ass, but (laughs) 
No, not at all. <laughs> and like, I think like there's some really good feminist, uh, mm-hmm. you know, meat to grab onto, especially with like a Lear and a, and yeah. a, a Prospero yeah. and, and uh, the Tempest and stuff. So like, yeah, there's definitely, there's still fodder there and it'll be interesting to see if somebody, somebody picks up on that. Um, oh, go ahead, sorry, go ahead, Brittany. No. I was just going to say that I think that with Macbeth coming out just recently, though, yeah. and the Ophelia, I think yeah. that depending on how they did in box office and then just looking at how many people actually are continuously to tune in, just because I think Ophelia is on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty it sure is, it is. Yeah. I, so depending on how many streams it gets, I think that's going to be the, like, dipping your toe in the pool, right? Kind of yeah. saying, is it worth it to reinvest in this? Because yeah. It, it really is dependent upon, as you said, our age group, and if that comes back, because a hundred percent, King Lear would be great to see, especially with how many like females are in that actual cast, and then there's also the like the push to be more inclusive. Yep. So it'll be curious to see how that goes. I don't think some plays are ever going to uh, come back, or if they do, it'll be much different, like Othello. Yes. Right. <laughs> I think that would be handled much different. I actually just watched O last night just because I was like, oh, okay, I actually never saw this one. And I was like, ooh, kind of wish that I hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's pretty bad when you look at that and you're like, and, and we mentioned this in our episode a couple weeks ago about a fellow that it was like, holy shit, we thought we were so woke in the 90s when we did this stuff. But like, <laughs> oh, wow. We, we, we had so that line where she was like, oh, well, it's my people that originated the word. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, girl, sit down. <laughs> conditioned to be that way rightfully so I would imagine but it's still uh it, it was definitely shocking I'm glad you you brought that up because we've mentioned that too now I know we weren't we weren't the only ones yeah, being sensitive about it yeah. no because like okay like you think of other films at that time like say the last dance or coach carter yes. or like love and basketball yeah. like there's so many other films that you talk about racial discrimination yeah and you have obviously harder language within it yeah but they do it in a way in my opinion that's still trying to teach the audience versus just kind of make a joke about it yeah like, you literally have a fellow character at one point i don't know the actor he's lovely but he literally talks about like oh if i said that i would get disowned by like my culture yes people and i'm like oh my god like so there's just no cohesiveness like where i just it missed the mark it just totally missed the mark i sat there and i was just i didn't even write any notes i just probably just an angry face like, this was not, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, no, it's true. And like, there, and there's, there's a bit of that. Like, well, that, that takes us to one of the next questions. Is like, do these movies hold up? Like, no, uh, watching them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would say it doesn't. I think some like Romeo and Juliet still, like you said, it still works for the kids when you guys are teaching it, and it's still really fun and enjoyable. Um, like, is there anything else that Lindsay, when in at top of your mind that's like yeah this is this is still really really good and enjoyable versus like maybe you're one where like yeah that that didn't that didn't work at all um, um i well i think you mentioned much ado about nothing which i would agree with is probably still relevant and holds up um but yeah it, it it's i i would say yeah. richard the third 
because uh, it's like, oh, Richard III was a fascist kind of thing feels really wrong in like the Trump era where it's like, this yeah, is actually that, like how fascism mm, comes about. It's I don't not know. I haven't watched it in a while. So I, I'm curious to see how I'd feel watching that play out because it's it's so obviously a parody kind of of Nazism. But yeah, in in the last five years, can we can we still do that? Are we are we really doing that? I don't know. That might not be kosher well, anymore. Anyway. Would the general public really get that though? Too? Yeah, well, that too. Do you see the That's my biggest concern. Like, at least if you were to say something about like fascism or like talking about Richard III, a better film, unfortunately, that's not even remotely Shakespeare, would be Idiocracy. Have either right? Yes, yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. But like to me, that would be a film that if I was like to give the general public about, like, look how stupid you are. Yeah. You are. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that is me. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. But I, I think for the most part, to an extent, they hold up as Shakespeare movies. Like if you watch uh, one of the Zeffirelli ones, like Lindsay, we watched mm-hmm. Taming of the Shrew. Yes. Um, we didn't watch the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet. No, um, but, but I think everybody has seen that. Well, when I studied Romeo and Juliet, that's the one that we had to watch. Uh, okay. Yes. And so I think like, it's beautiful. It's, a great it's beautiful. Movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I love the Juliet in that. I think it's, yes. she's actually very well done. Olivia she Hussey, great. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, I th- I feel like the all of these movies to an extent uh, feel like they fit in within that tradition of Shakespeare movies, and it feels like there's just a natural progression from like yeah the '60s kind of soft lighting, yeah. uh, you know, Zeffirelli <laughs> ones into like the really dark Macbeth of the '70s, which was you know a dark period, and then the '90s are like yeah, there's there's Baz Luhrmann you know, with everybody in glitter and angel wings and, uh, and garbage on the soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Um, so that, that makes total sense. Um, but it still also feels like, uh, a faithful Shakespeare adaptation that way. Um, I think there's a couple that are a little too dated, like maybe that 2000 Hamlet feels a little too like, I was just about to comment on that. Yeah. I totally agree. And I, I mean, as much as we love the comedies, I think that the more like 10 things I hate about you and um, having not seen She's the Man entirely, I can imagine maybe like those movies will feel like a 90s movie and that might, they do. right? Like, not that they're bad by any means, but they they feel dated, right? Because they, they leaned so hard into the teen comedy genre that was so popular but it feels iconic to me, like Clueless. Yeah, definitely. 100%. So it's not like a dated in a bad way. No. Whereas I think that what Aiden was just about to say with Hamlet, yes. I, I find that one really dated. Like to me, that one, I literally wrote down that it feels like it tried to uh, ride the coattails of Romeo plus Juliet. Yes. Yeah. That's a right? really good way of putting it. make it too modern. Like I literally texted both of you and I was like, what the fuck is with the hat? <laughs> I'm so confused. Like, right? I, just, I was like, is this a symbolism that I'm missing? Like, did I just not? And then you guys like, no, let's just Ethan Hawk. And I'm like, Tony Hawk? Like, I, I just, it's, all of it was lost on me, the entire thing. Whereas well, like, with Romeo plus Juliet, yeah. it's campy, it's fun. The gun seeing the swords, like, yeah. you buy into that because it's hysterical. With this one, I was like, I don't get the camcorder. All of this is just weird. How she even drowns, like, where's the flowers? All of this sucks. <laughs> It does feel it's like it's very of its time, but in a in a way that isn't um, it's not fun anymore. It's like leaning yeah. leaning too heavily on Ethan Hawke as the art house poster boy heartthrob of the late nineties, mid to late nineties, the Gen X. 
um, uh, like new age guy with the, yeah, with the camcorder, he's in art school. Like it was, it's very cheesy, um, a parody almost of what that generation was doing in the 90s. You know what right? it literally felt like to me? It felt like a knockoff Matrix at times. Yeah. <laughs> just like with the costumes oh and just how God. it played out. And I was like, because I actually had to look up what came first and I was like, oh, this does feel like a knockoff Matrix. Like it just, it, it doesn't work. To me, it like the Shakespearean language is obviously there. Obviously yeah. I knew what it was. I just, I don't know, was not happy. I was happy to see Bill Murray. I was happy to see Coop. Yes. But beyond yep. that, and Julia Stiles was great, but I don't know. Yeah. No, and, and it's kind of similar to O in that way where like O was trying to be like this 2000s, early 2000s, like let's look at race real serious. Mm-hmm. And it's like that that look didn't last very long. Just like mm-hmm. the look of Hamlet as as an arty, uh, you know, Gen X kid mm-hmm. didn't work for didn't last very long. It doesn't have that staying power because it's so of the moment uh, in terms of issues of the moment and the the kind of zeitgeist of 2000 um without any of the fun and the uh silliness and the the you get a sense of timelessness out of not taking it too seriously mm-hmm. um in 10 things i hate about you and stuff right where it's it's like yeah this is this is a goofy teen movie um but it's gonna have a lot of fun and that's going to be accessible going forward whereas moody hamlet videotaping himself with a gun yeah. to his head yeah. is just not it just doesn't work as well right and just a disrespect towards bill murray my god <laughs> <laughs> like i got it with the character but i just sat there and i was like you better teach your dad properly like this is unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it just was not a great film but it's like going back to O, it, it tried to be talking about like racial discrimination but yeah. my problem really just goes back to the fact that it kind of laid it out of the table and then it didn't deconstruct it, it yeah no it didn't it, i and i it, think that was what people did at the time you it's like well we're just going to put it out there we're not actually going to do anything with it, it not in any kind of meaningful way people actually can think about it or yeah they're going to think about it like yeah. here's my problem with something like oh and maybe this sounds really stupid but when i think about like movies that make you think it's like people will talk about like interstellar Right? right. People talk about um, what's the other one uh, that he's on the island. Uh, it's like, well, it's like Shutter Island. That's it, right? Yep. yep. But like, people talk about Shutter Island, Interstellar. They'll talk about like all our inception, mm-hmm. and everyone has all these theories and like, what does this actually mean? And like, everyone digs into it because it's presented as a way where you'd actually think about it. Even like Twin Peaks presents yep. itself that way, right? Whereas when you walk into Shakespeare, you're not necessarily going okay i have to look for clues i have to sit here and actually like really dig in and think about it because you're just assuming that they are going to kind of feed it to you so when they kind of just dropped all that racial stuff i was like "Mm -hmm, i see what we're doing yeah (laughs) but like are we gonna like talk about it no okay yeah Yeah. no there was that yeah some are born great some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them so I, I just want to ask one last one. Um, it's it's kind of maybe maybe it's maybe it's too much. Maybe it's too much. We're asking of the nineties, but what what are the Shakespeare movies that we've talked about? Uh, what do they tell us about the decade? Because um, uh, I think that's really uh, interesting. I think we've already kind of touched on a lot. Like teenagers were important because <laughs> there's a bunch of teen movies. You yeah. know, uh, you know. At the same time, there was. Uh, uh, 
a revivalist uh, uh, kind of approach to what's a, what are what's good art and um, people were asking questions about that and we, and looking to the past for things like Austin and Shakespeare um, to to kind of tell us like maybe I don't know if it's morals or just to entertain us with stories that we kind of already know it, that's kind of a a very nineties thing too um, but. It, it's it's weird because it is such a, a, a mashup, and maybe this is just going back to the to the thing I started off with, which is that you know the '90s were a, a cluster, and you get you you know what however you wanted to take your Shakespeare, you could try doing the serious overwrought drama of O, and you could have the fun of uh, Ten Things I Hate About You or Much Ado About Some About Nothing, like all these like there's a wide thing. Is there anything else that you can think of that like? the Shakespeare movies of the nineties tell us about the people and the times of the decade. Does anything come to mind for anybody? I think rebellion, to be honest, like I think of Hamlet with Mel Gibson. Right. And that's mm-hmm. like, to me, probably one of like the older staples of what we're talking about. And then you'd look at Ethan Hawke's Hamlet and it's so different. And I feel like it's, it kind of talks about how we take what I guess like our parents era or what they were doing or the movie stars that they had. And we were like, yeah, that's cool. That's cute. Let's do it our way. Right. Let's mm-hmm. take it and make it our own and kind of give it our identity and put our stamp on it, which is why they're obviously, you can't even compare the two. They're so uniquely different, but to me, it's kind of taking that classic film and making it have such a 90s vibe, even like 10 things I hate about you. If it's imperfect with all the rom-coms, and it is obviously Shakespeare, but I, it is, but it's not. It feels too different if you compare it to things like Hamlet, just because it's an adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to me, it just feels like we took everything that we thought Shakespeare should be or what we thought our parents thought it should be, and then we're like, cool, here's it. Like, here's it. here it is again, but with a twist, right? Like a hint of fun. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> yeah well i mean like that's what he can hop was for me in that film yeah that. i was like oh it's a hint of lime <laughs> like, right, right right no it's an interesting point and i i think i'm i'm agreeing with both of you i don't have anything additional to add i i was going to say what aiden said about it being like everybody could do their own thing mm-hmm. and have your own you can have a punk rock uh shakespeare you can have soft boy you know uh, listens to Collective Soul Shakespeare, or you can have your Euro Pop Shakespeare, um, your Spice Girl Shakespeare. But it's um, but everybody could do their own thing. But I, I also think that yeah, Brittany, you're right that there's like um, an attempt to make it your own, right? And I think that's the thing that we're still waiting to see if if that's going to come up for this generation. And and with all the current trend in filmmaking, I'm kind of doubtful. I'm kind of nervous yeah. about the state of of filmmaking right now, not just because of COVID, but because of blockbuster films being the thing that they are and, and the death knell of art house films and whatnot. But um, I think every generation gets, gets that chance to kind of put their mark on culture and that this was what the nineties did that they just, yeah, put that hint of lime on Shakespeare and gave Ethan Hawke well, a hat. Yeah, they, he did it with a yeah, twist, and it's yeah. that rebellion. Or, and I also think it has a lot of social commentary on what was happening. Like, yes, maybe sure. this is me reaching. It could be me reaching. But when I look at Romeo plus Juliet, I think of like Smalls, and I think of Tupac, and yes. I think of just like what was happening, right? And just like it's almost like a very, I guess, highbrow way of looking at what was actually happening in yeah. the real world, and just kind of putting that take on it. And I think that was such a '90s way of doing things, like. We're not actually going to discuss what's upsetting.
upsetting or hurting us. Instead, mm-hmm. let's make some type of film about it. Right. And we'll just like comment on it through the movie. Yeah. And that, that seems to be a very 90s thing. We would, we would deconstruct it more, I think, and talk about it a bit more in a different yeah, way now. Morning, like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Go on to Avondale, get ice cream cone. <laughs> talk about it, but not actually your feelings. Talk about the character's feelings that you're like, oh, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know. The 90s films are, they're, as you said, Lindsay, they're a whole, how you can't, you don't see anything like that anymore. And it makes me sad. (laughs) Well, I think it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what comes. Cause I think like, like you were, you were mentioning Brittany about, uh, Philia, it's, you know, there's, there's actually so much money going into, uh, creative uh into movies because Mm of uh netflix and amazon and all the streaming services have their own and there's still the traditional studios and a lot of them are looking for cheaper movies to make that can still make money that's true there's always the chance that this could come back at any time and be like oh yeah well you know someone comes out with a really great adaptation of king lear and then it's like oh shit yeah we got to do our own shakespeare movie to compete you know like there is there is that opportunity i don't know if it'll actually no you're totally right because uh, Sir Gowan and the Green Knight is totally getting his own film. Did you guys see that? I didn't I think it's see literally that. Called Gowan. Yeah, it's literally just called Gowan. I think it's based off of that. I hope to God. I saw the trailer and it's fucking yeah. weird as hell. But I'm assuming that's where it's going from. And I'm like, oh my God, this is freaking sick. But so potentially we might see that because I, you bring up such a good point. Streaming services have really changed things. Yeah. At least in terms of like the RC films, because now it is the smaller, tiny little Netflix ones, which tend to be really cringy, but still very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, they just have more, they have access to more data. They know what people are watching, right? So mm-hmm. um, they, if, if if the demand comes back, Netflix is definitely going to make a, a Shakespeare movie. And all it would really take is one big hit from somebody, just like it was with Henry V and uh, Brenna starting off another another cycle so you never know when yeah. it's when it's going to come back we'll have to wait and see if i longer stay we shall begin our ancient bickerings uh regular listeners to our podcast will know that the we always end our um, episodes uh with an ancient bickering segment and instead of uh aiden and i arguing about something or not arguing as the case often um turns out to be uh Rather than having an argument, we are going to just pose a question and we're each going to opine on that question. And the question for today's Ancient Bickerings, what is your favorite Shakespeare film adaptation? Um, and as always, guests go first. So Brittany, no, do I you refuse. have a favorite? I goddamn refuse. <laughs> like, well, no. told us. <laughs> yeah, okay, but listen. Okay, first of all, <laughs> listen. But also, what the fuck? How the fuck am I supposed to pick? Are you freaking kidding me? Okay, like, okay. At least so, because that does, do you see how stressed I am now? I went from zero to 100 real quick. I can, I can just picture you. You're turning a little pink around the... Oh, you, you know, awful right? human. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, okay, just, oh, this is so rude and hurtful. What a terrible question. No, but how do you pick? Okay, you know... All right. Okay, we can go first if you don't want first. to. Yes, we need time to think about it. That's fine. Well, I don't know what the fuck to say because, like, legitimately, I could literally wax poetics about all of them because yeah. they're beautiful. Even Ethan Hawke's stupid hat. <laughs> <laughs> ten out of ten for the pom pom, buddy. But it's just 
Okay, listen, I absolutely adore the historical plays. I'm very sad that I never got one with Thomas More because that's my homeboy. So scratch that, all of those things are dead to me. Move on. In terms of like 10 things I hate about you, I adore that film. I think if I actually had to pick it, like only one to see for the rest of my life, it would be that movie. But that's just because it has so many iconic, like, okay, literally there's a character that has a king's on face. Like, if you have never gone to a party where that's happened, but go out, go have fun, like go out and do your life, right? Because it, everyone knows, it just, it's, it's such a good adaptation and it just feels so good. But if I actually had to pick like classic Shakespeare, I guess, I guess, I, well, do you know? Cause I, oh shit, I don't know. It's one of the Romeo and Juliet. Okay. One of the Romeo and Juliet. I can't even okay. say which one because, okay, listen, Leo is fantastic. He's a little mm, as an actor, like as a human. <laughs> but it, it's such a good film and mm -hmm. it is so much fun to watch. But then when you look at the older one, the Frank, you can say the last name for me. Zeffirelli. <laughs> that dude. Yep. It, it's just, to me, that's pure Shakespeare. That's what it's supposed to be. And that's how it mm -hmm. feels. And it's just okay. so good. I can't talk about Mel Gibson's one because I purposely have abstained from watching that one. I probably yep. will watch it, but I just think he's a poopy person. So that's why I've <laughs> never done it. Fair. Uh, no, but like, I like, agree. Much Ado About Nothing, though. Classic follows my mom way back in the day. And it's yeah. so good. But then She's the Man, legitimately, to me, is just prolific. It is so good. Like, it's just so funny and it's like if you want to get your kid to like Shakespeare if you want them to buy in if you want them to like something you put that on it is hysterical <laughs> no because it doesn't even like okay obviously it doesn't feel like Shakespeare because it's an right. adaptation duh. but it's just it's so contemporary it doesn't yeah. in my opinion it doesn't age quite like 10 things I hate about you 10 things I hate about you really feels like a millennial film whereas mm -hmm. she's the man feels like if you put it on Netflix it could be like Admiral Akbar. It could be a trap, <laughs> right? Like, like kids wouldn't even know. They'd be like, "Oh shit, this is so good. This is amazing. What new film is this?" And it's like, "Bitch, I gotcha!" <laughs> right? Like, Fucking little did you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boom, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, I even made a bet with some of my students after we finish off like our slam poetry unit. I was yeah. like, "Listen." Let's watch a Shakespearean film, and they're all like, "Oh God, I'd rather like die." And I was like, "Listen, <laughs> have I steered you wrong this year? I have excellent taste, bitches. <laughs> like, trust in me." And they're like, "Okay, fine." And I'm I'm literally tossing up between some things I hate about you and she's the man because yeah. it, they're so good. It, it, it they're so good. But then you have Lion King. We were not going to talk about the newer Lion King because who has even felt? Mm -mm. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? I know. Okay, like really? And then you have this list, and you want me to pick? Oh my god! You know this. This this might be the most anger that has ever been in an ancient bickering section. Yeah. It's perfect. It would be so much easier if you were like, "What's your favorite pop? What's your favorite chip? What's your favorite ice cream flavor?" No problem, bitch. I got you. What's your favorite? Shakespeare film. Okay, listen, first of all, <laughs> right? And then look at that list. And then Shakespeare in Love. Oh my God. It feels like Ever After, which also, oh my God. If that film obviously has nothing to do with Shakespeare, because that was on there, that's a classic. I love that movie. That's a great movie. Right? But that's what Shakespeare in Love feels like. And literally, yes. when I rewatched the film, I was sitting there and I was like giggling to myself because there's literally that section where uh, when the film starts, it's got the little cup. Yes. And it's that like Stratford upon Avon or whatever. And yes. I was like, oh, 
I love it. Like, look at all these little illusions. <laughs> right? It's true. Yeah, it's true. Well, I, okay. Well, I Lindsay, why don't you take the pressure off Brittany for a minute? <laughs> yeah, I take, quit. I'm out. <laughs> take the pressure off her. You uh, tell us yours, Lindsay. What's what's your favorite um, this, uh, 90s list? I'm sure it won't be as quite as... Uh, painful for you well, uh, I, mean, I know exactly which one you're doing, but. you know well no i i think i'm going to surprise you because looking at this list again um the one that i if if pressed if you're like we're going to watch a shakespeare movie today you get mm-hmm. to pick which one it is i would pick titus yeah. by uh really? by julie really? tamor yeah and i think the reason why is the visuals i think that that film the the longer because we watched it titus andronicus that was like when we started the podcast, it's one of the earliest yeah, like Shakespeare plays. Yeah. Um, so watching that, uh, two years have passed since then. And the longer the time goes, the more wistful I get about watching it. And it's such a gruesome film, but visually it was so stunning that it was like, it was like being on acid or something like watching this film, oh. which is like, and I love Julie Taymor. I love um, across the universe, her, uh, the Beatles movie she Beatles did, film. which also yeah. has that feel to it. Um, yeah. She's just a visionary director, and I think that would be the one that I think that's that I think is my favorite one on this so, list today. But normally, I know, yeah, Romeo plus Juliet. I would, I would hands down. Yeah, that was that, that was, that was going to be my prediction for you. Yes. So it's yeah. because your inner little like freaky Twin Peaks child is coming out. That's I why you're so. picking it. I think so. Yeah, that's that's exactly oh. what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, mine's mine's much easier. I I have to go with much ado, uh, just because it was my first introduction. And to because we got the host for Emma Thompson. Like, let's oh not. God, it especially like ninety three. It's true. Ninety three Emma Thompson is like unparalleled until you get to like two thousand two Kate Winslet. That's like those are that's a that's a throw up between the two of them. So uh, I can't really choose. But yeah, I think that one's probably my my, my preferred one. So right. um, although yeah. Mm, I know it's a hard list, right? Okay, okay. Love the Lion King too. Well, that's the thing. Lion King would be my like a one A. But if you separate it into adaptations versus Shakespeare language, then I get both. That's only because you haven't seen *She's the Man*. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? It's not even a fair (laughs) list because we haven't seen *She's the Man*. So maybe it is such lowbrow humor, but it's so good. It's just so (laughs) lowbrow, but I love it, and that's one hundred percent my type of humor. I guess, like, I just classify me as an idiot, and we'll move on. Okay, you know what? I, 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 we would never do such a thing because that's oh, you are too. You are, if you're yeah, an idiot, so are we. Yeah. No, it's just, but do you see what I mean? Both yes. of you struggle. Both of you had to pick two because this list is vicious. <laughs> it is. It's not nice. It's not a nice list. You're right. Mm. Why could you just very, say, like, very sorry? You could should have just said from the 90s, from the 2000s, or like pick a movie from the 90s, then 91, then 92. No problem. I could do that. <laughs> I, I can do that for you. <laughs> we're 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 incredibly sorry. How can we make it up to you? <laughs> well, number one, this is just a very not nice list. You should make nice list. You should just ask next time from each year. <laughs> That's how it should go, right? From each year, which one would you prefer? Or, or like, who is your favorite actor or actress? I can do that, Julia Stiles. Well, yeah, she's much easier, of them. Like, that's, yeah, come on. <laughs> You're not supposed to see through my smoke screen so easily. <laughs> How dare you? 
good. I don't know. I just don't understand how more people aren't just about this. Like, I don't understand how people just can't sit down and just binge these types of movies. Like, I told Daniel that I was going to be on here and talking to you guys about Shakespeare, and I was so stoked. And he's like, wow, like, of course you are. So I was like, okay, shut up. <laughs> right? Like, that's rude. And I was like, how can you not love Shakespeare? And he's like, I don't understand how you can literally sit there on your computer and just happily watch a movie for two hours about Shakespeare. And I'm like, because it's Shakespeare and it's just fun. But I do blame. I honestly, at the end of the day, I blame teachers. Yeah. And I, I guess I blame myself. But like, if you don't have somebody that introduces it to you properly. Yep. And that's why I'm so worried that there's not going to be a resurgence. Yeah, no, I know. And we talked about that. We had an episode all about why people think Shakespeare is boring or not fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was like the number one reason people always gave is like, yeah, my teacher was crap in grade 10. And I just never went back to it. So it's a real fear. It's true. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why I think that when you sit there and you say, oh, I want to watch this or like, can you imagine going up to your average Joe and just being like, hey, you want to go watch Macbeth? Right. They're going to tell you to blow it out your ass. Yeah. Like it's just not going to happen. They're going to be like, no, thanks. I'd rather watch the new Need for Speed or not Need for Speed, but Fast and Furious. And I'm like, yeah. fair enough. Me too, bud. But like, I can also sit down and enjoy a girl going crazy. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <sighs> I don't know. I thought that you guys were going to have an easier question. I was hoping that you'd be like, who's your favorite Shakespeare in person? No, but actually, no, don't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just giving us ideas. <laughs> no, but also I was like, oh, wait, that's actually not as easy as I thought. <laughs> just kidding. Just fucking kidding. <laughs> well, no, because you got the Horatio, right? Like, it's, it's true. It's true. There's, so many There's good too people. many. There's too many to choose from. Okay, I'll pose you guys with a question. Who's your favorite female lead in Shakespeare. Oh, we, like, we have haven't to... talked about that. <gasps> really? Okay, well, what is it? Linz, do you want to go first? Uh, do I don't remember what I said, and, and I'm sure that it's yeah, changed because we did that one a long time ago, but yeah, I, think, I think Lady Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. power, yeah, you right? just, yep. Yeah, you, you guys are just on the same wavelength. That's, that's very handy. Uh, I think mine was, uh, at the time, it was What's her name? Beatrice. From, uh, yes, it was Beatrice, uh, which is still a close. She's she's definitely up there. But uh, there was also the the one that um, from As You Like It. Uh, what was her name? I don't remember. But she was great too. She yeah. was awesome, and she was just back and forth and making fun of the guy who was writing her all the poetry. There's mm-hmm. there's a ton of really good women out there. Uh, but yeah, no, I'd I'd probably stick with Beatrice. It's but that's also why I don't think that it's also going to make research and see I have so many reasons why I feel like Shakespeare's not going to come back because if you look at the female leads like wait for instance Taming of the Shrew I don't think will ever never no. come back because it, to me I love that film and this is I actually kind of why I don't even know if I would pick 10 things I hate about you it's my favorite because the ending pisses me off like no yeah. other like Catherine yeah. literally is just like ah, okay I guess I'm in I'm like what yeah. Like, you had such a spine this entire time being, like, blowed out your ass and just being, like, I'm going to be an independent woman who don't need no man. That's snap. And then yeah. at the end, she's like, I'm just kidding. I've actually always been a simp for you. Mm, okay. Yep. Yeah. And I just don't think you're ever going to see that in 2021 because now we have that movement of, well, just, I mean, it's great to see equality obviously being pushed and just obviously, like, independent people. But I don't think you're ever going to see a film like that again. 
Well, I, I mean, Lindsay and I have talked about this a little bit in the past too, uh, is some of the problem plays, they're they're problematic because Shakespeare didn't know how to handle women <laughs> because he was stuck in this Elizabethan you know, shell of, of women as property and yes, they're barely people. And we, we, aren't, we don't have those problems anymore. So I think a lot of those problem plays can be uh, taken apart and redone with uh, a feminist mindset in, yeah, like in place. The Winter's Tale or Cymbeline yeah. or... Uh, the Tempest uh, well, or the, the yeah. Lindsay? Well, Measure for Measure, measure was for kind measure, of yeah. along that line. Yeah, um, yeah like there, there's a couple of those ones that like nobody ever produces because they're not famous and nobody's going to come out and see them. But, uh, you know, they are, they are problematic. Yeah. 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 And, they, and maybe for good reason. So, yeah, well, there, there's a possibility. Or like going off of that, it's the idea of like, do you remember the 90s where there was always those makeover movies? Yes. Like Princess Diaries is totally yep. one too, right? Where it's like, oh, ugly duckling suddenly becomes hot because glasses come off. Yep. That's astounding. Yeah. Right? But you don't see those anymore either no. because it's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that's so, it, it's just so derogatory, I guess. It is. It's offensive. And there's there's a lot of that that um, it's just, it used to be acceptable and now it's not for good reason. Yes. So yeah, yeah, if you're yeah, in, yeah, yeah, it was like ingrained sexism and stuff like that was yeah. just like taken for granted back then, and now you're like, uh, that shit's stupid. <laughs> so it just doesn't happen anymore. So I mean, Probably I guess better, I guess yeah. we could we could maybe see like different types of adaptations that play with that a little bit more ironically, but you mm-hmm. couldn't. I mean, we might. We'll probably. I think we'll probably still see. Um, the tragedies performed. Like we mentioned, yeah. they're just more universal. But the comedies, I think you need to get very clever and you need to know where you stand and you need to know what you're trying to say before you can just produce it. And yeah. I think that's where um, we might not see as much of that. But uh, but I hope, I hope I'm wrong and I hope that there's some clever filmmakers and, and stuff that will, you know, be able to take it on to take it on and i hope well, we're wrong in our just dis- in our dismissal of the potential you know where to, to where to cut it off yeah right? exactly where to be like okay so here's the line because yeah. i feel like a lot of them don't have a line which is yeah. also kind of why i thought oh it's so bad yeah see that's one yeah. movie that i'm okay with saying that's not my favorite <laughs> yeah no it's it's it really was like to have him <laughs> not to slag on O again, because this is this <laughs> rehash of our old episode on O, but uh, he, like to have Othello rape Desdemona, to have him rape her, like yeah, for no just, reason, for no reason to play into those stereotypes. I just didn't understand it. It didn't. It didn't go far enough to explain or to contextualize why it was doing what it chose to do. Yeah. You know. Well, Especially when three seconds later, she's literally like, is it because of his skin color? I'm like, whoa. Right? <laughs> Zero to 100. Who said anything about that? Uh, because Emily didn't even mention it. And they're yeah. just bringing it up. And I'm like, this isn't woke. This is just racist. Yeah. 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 No. Okay, fine. I'll pick Lion King. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> that works. All right. Well, I think that will bring us to the end of the episode. Um, Brittany, thank you so much for joining us. This oh, has no, been thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, this is really fun. Uh, the nineties were, were a fun time and, uh, Shakespeare is a fun time. So obviously combining them was going to be uh, good times had by all. And, so, and, and uh, bringing Brittany on was an inspired choice. I think it, uh, we, oh, I feel we so didn't have, 
We couldn't have matched your energy. I think that you brought this uh, je ne sais quoi to the the conversation. We did have a a friend of uh, longtime listeners might remember Stacy, my former coworker who has appeared on a couple, I think two episodes. Mm. Uh, He's also a bundle of energy. So I think uh, having him and Brittany both may have extended this episode into like the three hour mark because you guys (laughs) just would have. Would have loved, and he loves talking about the nineties and the so. It's a good thing that he's an old man who broke his knee or whatever and had to have surgery, yeah. and that's why he was yeah, he able to make surgery. it today. Poor dude, that's yeah. awful. Yeah. He's sad, but, uh, but I think uh, it worked out for the best, maybe. So <laughs> we'll, have, we'll bring Stacy on for something else uh, some other time. But uh, yeah, thank you again, Brittany and. Uh, no, uh, Lindsay, did you have any last words before we closed out the episode? No, I think that's, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And and yeah, thanks, Brittany, for coming on. And I think we talked about having you back on for uh, a discussion about Macbeth, maybe, because that was your favorite. So um... I love Macbeth. Oh, it's so good. And then we can talk about literally that uh, soliloquy, but like, well, not soliloquy, but like that little section with the witches and then how yes. they pop off and that doesn't even fit. And oh, my God, here we go. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Done. Oh my That's god! Done. But you know what? I had to be part of the '90s because what other old people do you know better than Shakespeare, right? Nobody, nobody. That's <laughs> the only answer. Is nobody? Okay. Just you. you just fell into my trap. I'm not that old. <laughs> You're not. You're way younger than we are. So yeah. shut yeah. up. Not it even. Really <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you guys for having me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at TheBixPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheBixPod, or by email at TheBixPod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.